Farmers are the heartbeat of rural America. Congress recently invested $20 billion in America's farmers and ranchers, focusing on conservation practices and profits for future generations. Today, these funds are at risk. You're squawking over $20 billion. That USDA program, it's investment into the future for everybody. If the funding was eliminated, it could hurt farms and families. Tell Congress, protect this generational investment in the Farm Bill. Learn more at investinourland.org. Paid for by Invest in Our Land. Wyoming's Republican Party chairman, Frank Ethorn, did not respond to our invitation to talk. Shocker. Shocker. But you told me there was no chance he would talk, huh? Yeah. Victoria Evis is a reporter at the Casper Star Tribune in Wyoming. It's the largest of the state's few remaining newspapers. It has the largest circulation in the state. Yeah. And you're the only political reporter. Yeah. Um, and you're not even from here. I no. Mean, not, not to, I mean, no offense, but like... No, it's a great it, point. This is Playbook Deep Dive. I'm Ryan Lizzo. This week, I'm in Casper, Wyoming, where three big things happened in one of the most watched races in the country, the re-election campaign of Liz Cheney. The week started with Victoria's 6,500-word report about the most powerful person in Wyoming politics. Victoria co-wrote that piece with Roan Tempest of Wildfile, a local website that covers politics here. Everyone I've talked to about the Cheney race is buzzing about that piece. There's been some speculation that Liz Cheney might not even run again, but on Thursday, a day before the deadline, she filed. What we do in this election in Wyoming matters. I'm Liz Cheney. I'm running for re-election, and I'm asking for your vote because this is a fight we must win. And then on Saturday, Donald Trump, who has made this race his 2022 obsession, is coming to town. If you turn on the radio, though, it seems like he's here all the time. You know, I listened to people from Wyoming in making that pick, and they felt very, very strongly about it. That's Trump talking on Glenn Wood's radio show, Wake Up Wyoming, earlier this week. Trump didn't mention him there by name, but if you want to understand this race, you need to understand Trump's man in Wyoming, the chairman of the GOP, Frank Ethorn. Victoria knows Ethorn. Yeah, he's always been fascinating to me because he did seem to wield a lot of power, but he was so quiet and soft-spoken. She writes that Ethorn's party has been described as both dominant and dysfunctional, while emerging as the tip of the spear in Donald Trump's furious drive to unseat Cheney. Traditionally, the Republican Party focuses on problems, not people, but that's switched. Dr. Joseph McGinley served as chairman of the Natrona County Republican Party from March 2017 to March 2021. I mean, it seems like all we do is talk about other people and not we, the party talks about other people, harasses other people. He got pushed out by what he describes as extremists who have twisted the meaning of what it means to be a Republican and is very judgmental without actually doing anything themselves. More with Dr. McGinley later. In the newsroom of the Star Tribune, Victoria Evis starts at the very beginning. I did get a tip. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, tell us where it started. Yeah. So um, in the like, late summer of last year, I got a tip that there was a federal court case that implicated him in some sexual misconduct in uh, his time in the police department. I went to the federal courthouse and um, requested that document, and, you know, it was mind-blowing. So it started there. So then I went to Wildfire, and I was like, this is going to be a heavy lift. We should do this together. Um, I think it's, you know, for the good of the Wyoming people that we collaborate on this. 
And it started with that tip on the federal court case. But I mean, it quickly, as you read the story, you can tell exploded into something much more. I mean, he has had a fascinating life and he is quite an interesting person and definitely worth 6,500 words. So you team up with Roan Tempest from Wildfowl and you you publish this jointly. So let's go through what you learned about Frank Ethorn. So much. So much. But there's a a lot here. But you you went to the courthouse. You find out that there's um, a pretty important lead. So let's, let's start with that story and what you learned. So from the court documents, we learned that he was um, a Warland police officer at a very young age. How old was he? Do you remember? Like 20s? Fresh out of college, like 23, 24, about the age I'm now. He had two instances that we know of of sexual misconduct. Early in his career as a police officer, he admitted to having oral sex with a woman in the back of his squad car uh, while on duty. And uh, after a disciplinary hearing, Ethorne was suspended without pay and then put on department probation for a year. He only lost pay for a month, though. Did you ask him about that episode? I didn't ask him about that episode. I asked him about the, the next one. Just over a year later, according to the federal lawsuit and the woman who filed the complaint who I spoke to, he barged in armed and drunk to the apartment of a 23-year-old police dispatcher's home. Uh, her name was Patricia Bravo. She worked at the dispatcher with Ethorn and um, said he was kind of, you know, quiet but would stare at her a lot and she experienced more outright harassment from other officers less than him but uh yeah in the summer of 94 he barged in tried to force her to have sex with him she wouldn't and when he was pleading with her to have sex with him he kind of showed his firearm on his hip she said as you know kind of a subtle threat she was begging him to leave because her two-year-old daughter was asleep he finally complied and then said Apparently, in the federal lawsuit, the word is begged her to point him in the direction of another female's apartment. A specific person or just like anyone? Seems like anyone. In the paper here in front of us, you have uh, you guys publish a picture of Patricia Bravo's um, home and it says, this is the Warland apartment that Patricia Bravo says Wyoming Republican Party Chairman Frank Ethorn barged into while she was living there on July 27th, 1994. The incident resulted in a federal lawsuit that was eventually settled. So you tracked Patricia Bravo down. Yeah. I mean, the second she heard that reporters were trying to talk to her, she was game immediately. And we sat down in the public library for almost two hours and chatted. She cried basically the whole time. And she told us how this incident ruined her life. She was run out of town. Everyone at the police department stopped talking to her. She eventually tried to take her own life and... One day, her lawyer from the case, who's now a judge in Wyoming, showed up on her doorstep with a $200 check, and that was all she got in the settlement. You did get one response from Ethorn. It was at some point, and you you and your co-author have in here where he says, I have flaws and I own them, he said via text. One of the interesting parts of this piece is that over time, he and Harriet Hageman become political allies. Tell us about that. They served in party leadership together. So she was state committee woman when he was in leadership. Based on what I can gather from them interacting, just they seem close, you know, close, close political allies, it seems, and, and possibly close friends. There are photos of them in Washington, D.C. together. And he's, you know, he's 
in every way he can without fully saying it, he's pushing her candidacy. When Trump announces what's going to be one of the biggest rallies of, of the year, Memorial Day weekend in Casper, Wyoming, when he first decides to do that, the person he calls in the state to tell, like, I'm doing this big pro-Hageman rally to help take out Liz Cheney is the party chairman. Yep. It's, I've been told, completely unprecedented, wholly unprecedented, not just because this race is unprecedented. I mean, this race is unprecedented nationally in a lot of ways, but... It, it, like, to me, it's a sort of underappreciated fact about Trump's understanding of some of these states where he he's you know, reaching down uh, at the state level and, and knows and calls, has relationships with some of these activists yeah. in states and, where he wants to see a certain outcome. Right. And there are other examples of that too, just beyond calling Frank up. He endorsed Frank for chairman. And keep in mind, voters don't vote for chairman. It's the uh, central committee. So it's a bunch of party activists. Um, but this is, but the, the, your point is, this is this is Trump's guy. This is, this, from states. everything I can gather... This is Trump's guy. Okay. And then in terms of divisions within the party itself, there are two county parties where both population centers are. So that's Laramie? La so yeah, and Laramie and Natrona counties is where Casper and um, Cheyenne are, which are the two most populous cities in Wyoming. And because they're the most populous, those county parties in a lot of instances have the most votes when it comes to certain matters. That said... They tend to lean, most of their delegates, most of their precinct committee people tend to lean more traditional Republican. Is that, is it safe to say that those two county parties, Laramie and Latrona, are kind of the Liz Cheney base, where the Liz Cheney base would be or not necessarily? Yeah. Um, so anyway, these are the two population centers, two counties. They somehow run afoul of Ethorn. So... Natrona County decided that they were not going to pay their dues to the state party because they did not like the direction that it was going. What um, specifically? I actually was not here for that, but it, it seems as though it was going, it was straying away from, you know, the big tent approach and it was becoming too insular and yeah. it was purging too many people. Yeah. They and were then on Natrona the... joined that group. They were purged essentially. Um, Natrona got it. Okay. Yeah. So they, Decided they're not going to pay their dues, and um, a bylaw was passed saying that if you don't pay your dues, you don't get delegates to the state convention, In basically in response to Natrona not paying its dues. Okay. So one of the biggest population centers in Casper has fewer votes in the state convention than the smallest county in the state, is what ends up happening there. So the rural counties and the more much more right-wing uh, GOP areas suddenly had much more control statewide. Yeah, exactly. So this helps explain the subhead of your piece, which is Wyoming Republican Party chairman grows in stature amid deep divisions within the GOP. Exactly. So he's riding the wave of these divisions, siding very clearly with one faction in the party, punishing the other faction um, while encouraging these uh, censures and anti-Liz Cheney um, sentiment. Yeah, here's the fascinating thing about that that we kind of leave up to the reader to interpret is that he doesn't come out and say any of what you just said. Got it. Um, Got it. He lets it happen. And that's what former party members and, you know, more traditional conservatives take the most issue with is as chairman, he has the power 
to steer it in a certain direction is what I've been told multiple times. And he's not weighing in to keep the party in line. Yeah. Um, that being said, the fascinating thing about that is his allies don't dispute that. They don't think that that's false, but they interpret it in the, in an opposite light. So basically his allies say, look at what Frank has done. This is incredible. He has consolidated so much power. He has built an incredible group of allies around him. And look at all the steps we've made as a party towards furthering the Wyoming Republican agenda, basically. The Cheney camp's view of this is basically the state party is run by extremists. And we didn't talk about this, but Ethorn is reportedly um, a member of the Oath Keepers. Is that correct? The Oath Keepers part? Yeah. So when that leak, his name was on there as a VIP member. What was the leak? A list of members was of the Oath Keepers, was, which is a very anti-government group, one of the... And they were uh, largely implicated, I believe, in the insurrection. Some of their members were, you know, in the Capitol. Oath Keepers have been at the top of the lists in these prosecutions around the country going after uh, folks responsible for the um, organizing and most violent parts of the January 6th in- insurrection. Yeah. So Frank Uthorn was at January 6th. Um, he said he kept a good distance from, you know, the Capitol building itself. And um, so far, there's nothing to prove that he was up in the thick of things. But he's listed as a member of the Oath Keepers. He says that it's, you know, it's a passive membership, but it's definitely <laughs> something that Cheney has latched onto. Yeah. So the the head of the party who is um, seems to be in some ways in bed with the Hageman campaign, or at least that's the, you know, that's the sort of view from from the Cheney camp is an Oath Keeper who was there on January 6th. Um, you can kind of see the the Cheney camp's view that they might not get a, a fair shake from this guy uh, even before knowing that he's, you know, very, very close uh, to her mortal enemy, Donald Trump. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the Cheney people have a point when there's like, hey, the state party in Wyoming is run by an Oath Keeper who was there on January 6th. This is like the leading politician in Washington who is aggressively investigating and calling for the prosecution of people who were the most responsible and um, certainly ones who who, who uh, committed acts of violence on January 6th. Yeah. He also on, on Steve Bannon's war room said that Wyoming is looking at secession, um, is watching Texas. Uh, many of these Western states have the ability to be self-reliant it's something that we're all paying attention to. I asked him the other day in person, you know, just to clarify that. And he said, we were looking, period. That's that's all. I He said, I used to live in Texas, something I'm watching. He said, if it's not a grassroots issue, then I'm not going to bring it. But that makes you think, what if there is an effort? What if the grassroots does? Yeah. What if the Central Committee does push it? And even- I wouldn't be shocked if Frank jumped on the band- bandwagon. And even in that interview, that was too far for Bannon. Bannon actually pushed back against him in the interview and said, you know, no, no, no. Exactly. Uh, sorry. Sorry. These aren't exact words, but sorry, Frank. You know, we don't do secession around here. Exactly. So it was too extreme for Bannon. Um, what's next in the the story of Ethorn and the sort of fine line he seems to be walking here with trying to please Donald Trump, who we all know is his personal friend, um, but also supposedly being at the head of a neutral state party in a 
primary that everyone in the country in, involved in politics is watching. What are the things that you're going to be looking for in the summer as this primary kind of comes to a conclusion in August? Yeah, I've been asking around, like contacting the venue where the Trump rally is going to be held, asking if the GO, the state GOP has paid for anything, anything like that. And kind of just trying to poke at that and chip away at that story about like just how far does the state party's involvement go in the primary. Also, if anyone brings a complaint, you know, if anyone brings a lawsuit against the state party in terms of their actions, if it hasn't happened yet, I would be surprised if it if it comes, if it comes down. But and I'm also looking, trying to uncover more about like how much Frank does behind the scenes. That's kind of still an unknown in the story. Thank you for your incredible reporting. It's a great piece. Keep up the great work. Thank you. You too. Dr. Joseph McGinley is a physician. He just spent a long day at his own practice here in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, My day was mostly spent in the operating room. Uh, I I apologize for the rescheduling the meeting a few times, but uh, my day extended on uh, longer than anticipated. Sounds more important. (laughs) Uh, Yes, my my day job is is helping patients. And uh, yeah, uh, I was tied up in the OR most of the day today. He recently wrote an op-ed for Victoria's paper, the Star Tribune, titled, You Are the Solution to Political Extremism. Ethorne didn't really care for Joe's op-ed, He responded that same day, um, saying, in part, you may be thinking that anyone who would be so vicious must have something big driving his passion and complaints. That, however, is not the case. It's just Joe being Joe. Anyway, Joe was the chairman of the Natrona County Republican Party for four years until he got pushed out. I've personally been censured by the state party three times. Uh, our uh, state committee. What did you do? (laughs) I spoke to the media. That's one. (laughs) Literally, I got censured. Oh, well, so you you might be censured again tomorrow. Freedom of speech. You know, that that amendment doesn't count. (laughs) Um, You know, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. uh, That that doesn't seem to matter. In all seriousness, just tell us the story of that censure. Just unpack that a little bit. uh, None of our listeners will know that that specific story. So please just... uh, Tell us what happened. Yeah, no. Well, I am serious. I, I one of the censures was literally for speaking to the media. And um, as chairman, you know, we invited the media to every single one of our meetings in the Toronto County, uh, whether they were controversial or not. We believe in transparency. So every meeting we invited the uh, media um, at one of the meetings, we were discussing the state party and some of the actions that we disagreed with. Uh, how they were, you know, trying to silence individuals, attack individuals. So we discussed it and debated it and and basically came up with a vote disagreeing with the state party. There were two other censures. One was they they said we violated bylaws for some reason. I'm not, I still for this day can't tell what they were talking about in that situation, but uh, they said we violated bylaws in our county, uh, but didn't say which ones. Uh, and then the uh, the third um, the third reason was they said <laughs> uh, this one's also funny. They said I was tarnishing the reputation of the Wyoming Republican Party <laughs> um, as as being chairman of our county party. Like I, again, I don't first I don't know how you do that. I think they're doing a good job of that themselves. But um, I got blamed for that as well. <laughs> the state party and many of the county parties have been taken over by extremists, and essentially, if you disagree with their view. They'll try to humili- humiliate you. They'll try to censure you. I mean, they give out censures now, like you know, uh, trophies at this point. And um, you know, you've got I think three. It's a badge of honor. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's a badge of honor. To what get- do you do with them? 
you know, they just say you hang them anywhere. Say you're censured. I wish they would give you a certificate. I would absolutely hang that up. So you don't even get anything fancy. No, no, unfortunately not. I mean, you know, I would wear that as a badge <laughs> of honor because I would know who to vote for. That's for sure. If someone got censured by the current state party, that's that's who I'm voting for. Um, but you know, the all joking aside, the state party it was it was an organized effort over several years. I saw it as I was chairman. They tried to do it in our county too. They're trying to do it now in our county. Um, but it's an organized effort of a very select group of individuals. And the way they do it is just make it so miserable that individuals that have any reasonable perspective just don't even want to show up to the meetings. The meetings are torture. They really are. Um, so, you know, spending your weekend when you can be with your family, uh, when you can be doing things outdoors, it's hard to go to those. So those the, the state party has been taken over by a select group of individuals, even to the point at our state convention this past year, the two largest counties in our state were essentially excluded. Uh, Laramie County and Natrona County were essentially excluded from convention. That's 28. That represents 28 percent of the Republican voters uh, were not allowed to participate in our state convention. Um, so, you know, that that's not uh, that's not um, some type of rumor or theory. I mean, that that's fact. And with Natrona, that's not even because of you because you weren't the chairman anymore. That's correct. Yes. I can't get blamed for that one. <laughs> Maybe I can, but <laughs> I wasn't chairman. <laughs> I don't know how much stock to put in this, but um you knew you were probably doing more important things today as a, as a physician, but um, the Club for Growth, which is um, backing uh, Harriet, released a poll, and they report that their poll, which was conducted by WPA Intelligence, and they're saying uh, their poll of 400 likely Republican primary voters in Wyoming has Harriet at 56%. And Liz at twenty six percent, and Bouchard at twelve uh, percent. So fifty six to twenty six has there has been very little polling in this race. So everyone's sort of jumping on this because it's the only data that's out there. What do you make of of those numbers? As you've seen historically, trusting polls here in Wyoming are not is not very dependable because people are not going to respond to these phone calls. They're going to think they're spam. They're going to think they're getting on lists. Uh, so individuals that truly keep to themselves are not obnoxious, are not speaking out. They're not going to answer these type of polls. So uh, I would, I can probably, you know, poll people I know, 400 people, and give you the opposite. Um, so you know, I, I wouldn't put too much credibility into that. You know, we saw this uh, story came out on Ethorn. There's a high association there with Harriet Hageman and, and Chairman Ethorn and the rest of the party. Um, I don't know if that'll what do you mean by that? Or not. Well, she was the national committee woman. She was involved with the state party under Ethorn. They support her. Um, they, they clearly support her, even to the point where Senator Bouchard's team uh, is, is criticizing the state party, which is sort of ironic because <laughs> they're on the same spectrum there. Um, and, and they're actively criticizing the state party for behavior we've been commenting on for years. Um, so I think, you know, they recognized it once they were pushed aside for Harriet. The state party is supposed to be neutral in a primary. And is what you're saying that like Ethorn is putting his thumb on the scales for Hageman? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we'll see this weekend when, uh, you know, the Trump rallies in town. I'm sure they'll be side by side um, and, and everything else. It's fairly clear, uh, although they didn't officially put out an endorsement, uh, they put out everything but an endorsement. Um, you know, the censures, the saying Representative Cheney's not a Republican to the point where we were uh, a skit on Saturday Night Live. I mean, you know, how embarrassing that, you know, the Wyoming Republican Party is being made fun of on Saturday Night Live. I mean, uh, you know, that, that just shows you how ridiculous this whole thing is. You know, I, I have to confess that I missed that, but we're going to have to add that to this show. 
what was the segment? Was yeah. it one of your uh, one of your meetings? Oh no, it, it was funny. It was a game show. They were saying, uh, "Can you guess if I'm Republican or not?" Uh, the last segment was they had someone dressed up as Liz Cheney came out and they said, is, is Liz Cheney Republican? And then they went on like her dad's. Uh, I'm the daughter of Vice President Dick Cheney. I am a Republican. <laughs> you might tell everybody that. <laughs> so it's a I do remember segment. this skit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was very, very clever. I do remember this now. Um, back to the Ethorne Hagman thing. Um, Trump called Ethorne when he first uh, let it be known that he was going to be having this rally this weekend. Is there anything beyond, uh, is there anything illegal or that or anything that violates the uh, bylaws of the party about what you allege is going on between the Ethorne and Hageman campaign? Yeah, you know, there, there are statutes on it. You're not allowed to endorse a candidate. That's, that's a matter of fact. Um, but they haven't officially done that. So they, they've danced around this quite a bit. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, it doesn't look like they've officially violated anything. Um, if I were representative Cheney's camp, I'd take a close look at that. But um, from my perspective, I, I haven't seen anything officially that they violated. But sure enough, you know, um, it's in poor taste, that's for sure. And, and if you're running an organization, you're supposed to remain neutral. And this from any outsider, if you looked at this, it's clearly not neutral. And uh, yeah, Chairman Ethorne is going to be there. He's one of the speakers uh, at the meeting. So, you know. Uh, You're going to have former President Trump on stage at a rally. The whole point of the rally is to uh, let everyone know they should vote for Hageman over Cheney. And the, the state party chairman is going to be at the event. It, so you're, what you're saying is that's not, that's not normal. That's not There's something normal. inappropriate about that. Uh, no, that, that is inappropriate. The, the chairman of the state party should not be speaking at an event uh, for any candidate. Um, whatever his preference is, that, that should be his preference and personal. But uh, to be up there speaking at this event, completely inappropriate. Uh, it's a, I know they're uh, claiming this is a, a Trump event, but you know he's already announced that this is for support of Harriet Hageman. So these lines are getting blurred uh, rather easily. And uh, you know the, the chairman is, is clearly showing, uh, tipping his hat, uh, to who he's supporting uh, for this uh, for this election, and that's unfortunate. Again, you know, you lose credibility when you start behaving like that. So, um, Wyoming, I learned from the the Star Tribune today in that same article you were referencing, had the highest per capita support for Trump in both two, 2016 and 2020. So, presumably, his endorsement means a lot in this state. What we've seen, though, recently is Trump suffer some defeats in terms of uh, Republicans he's backed in primaries. It happened next door in Idaho last week where we were on, on this show. Um, it happened Tuesday in Georgia uh, in the gubernatorial primary there, so two gubernatorial primaries. Have you been watching those races and where the Trump-backed more extreme candidate in a, in a few uh, instances has been defeated um, and we're GOP primary voters ignored uh, his endorsement. Have you been watching those races and, you know, drawing any lessons? Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I have been watching those lessons. And I think, you know, the point of that is in, in some states, an endorsement helps, but it's not it's not the definitive action uh, for the uh, particular candidate. Um, here in Wyoming, listen, I, I would never bet against a Cheney in Wyoming <laughs> under any circumstance, no matter who's endorsing who. Uh, you know, Representative Cheney comes from a multi-generational family 
that has been Wyoming through and through. Uh, so, you know, you, you can't discount that and you can't you can't criticize her voting record. Right. You can't say she's not conservative or not representing uh, Wyoming values or principles. She has. Uh, but yes, President Trump is exceptionally popular here uh, because his policies were very beneficial to, you know, the lifeblood of Wyoming. I mean, we're oil and gas. We're blue collar. Um, you know, we're a state that does not like government overreach or, or uh, government interference. So uh, we're low tax state. Uh, so all the policies of President Trump resonate exceptionally well. Uh, the behavior of President Trump, however, does not. And, you know, I think there's sort of a dichotomy there that, uh, yes, policies are great. Twitter account, not so great. <laughs> and um, so I don't know how these type of rallies or endorsements uh, are going to pan out. You know, the, the individuals they invited, um, they don't represent Wyoming values in any way, shape or form. I'm shocked that they're they're inviting in uh, Matt Gates and, and, and some of the others. Um, you know, I, I think they're anti-Republican values to, or anti-Wyoming values, in my opinion. Um, you know, Gates came out here before and afterwards, you know, there, there was a lot of pushback once all of the uh, uh, scandals came out about Gates. And now he's back again. I'm shocked. This, uh, you know, it's embarrassing. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know how that's going to help or hurt. Harriet definitely needed it. If she didn't get President Trump's endorsement, you know, this this was going to be a one way Liz Cheney vote. But with Trump's endorsement, I think that's what makes this a very interesting race uh, to the point that, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I, I'm supporting Representative Cheney. I hope she does well. There's a there's a large group of individuals supporting her. Uh, but, you know, we still have months to go. In those other races, the the candidate that prevailed did not necessarily run an anti-Trump campaign. I guess what I'm trying to say is they didn't have the same vocal criticism that Representative Cheney has of Trump. Um, and, you know, she's the face of the January 6th committee in a lot of ways. Um, she's warning about Trump's threat to democracy. She's been pushing even the Democrats on the January 6th committee to be more aggressive in how they investigate and um, uh, members of Congress who may have had uh, any role or, or knowledge of what happened on January 6th. You know, to her supporters, you know, I think that all seems extraordinarily brave. And um, one of the reasons she's been able to raise uh, over $7 million, um, a lot of that coming from, you know, outside, outside Wyoming because people see her standing up to Trump. But I don't see the kind of candidates that are getting defeated in these Trump versus not in these in these primaries where a Trump endorsed candidate is is uh, on the losing side. I don't see the victors necessarily having the same, um, you know, uh, um, anti-Trump disposition, you know, in Idaho and Georgia. And do you think that that is? Um, is might be something that's a little different here here in Wyoming, and how do you think that's going to play at, at the end of the day? Yeah, again, uh, Representative Cheney's been very outspoken uh, where she stands on President Trump and, and January sixth. However, her campaign is a little bit different. If you look at some of her campaign material coming out. It doesn't mention President Trump. It doesn't mention the state party. It doesn't mention Harriet Hageman. It mentions what she's about. And that's Wyoming. That's Wyoming jobs. That's Wyoming values and principles. And 
you know, she she's betting on the Constitution. Uh, you know, when you come back to it, the party's not about an individual. Uh, we're the we're the party of Lincoln. We're the party of Reagan. Um, however, uh, Representative Cheney is, is saying we're the we're the party of the Constitution. And uh, you know, if you get back to the facts, she voted with President Trump more than most of her critics. So. Uh, you know, when when you put the the emotional piece of it aside and you look at the pure data, um, you know, it, it's it favors Representative Cheney. Now, whether voters take the time to do that or not, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right in these other states where people had a more moderate stance with President Trump. Uh, they were able to sort of fly under the radar. Uh, there's no flying under the radar here with Representative Cheney. Um, so her her opinion and feelings are well known. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if people will look beyond that and say, "Listen, what do the facts show?" Uh, she has a voting record, which I think is probably her best asset at this point. No, but that's real. That's really interesting. She's got to thread that needle. Maybe if she, if she, maybe if she's known in Washington and nationally, purely for her positions on January sixth and her strong reservations about Donald Trump, that's not exactly going to be the forefront of her campaign. In, in Wyoming to win in a Republican primary here, she's got to remind people of other parts of her record and talk about those other things. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And that's what she is doing. Um, you know, when I've seen yeah. her speak and, and seen her talk, uh, she doesn't really bring up President Trump or January 6th. If questions are asked, she doesn't hold back. That's for sure. Um, but she focuses yeah. on what her job is. And, you know, that even comes up in, when people ask, well, is president or is uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself is representative Cheney um, uh, in, <laughs> is representative Cheney um, in Wyoming. Is she meeting with the people? And I said, remember, she has a job right now. She's working in Washington. Her job's in Washington representing Wyoming. So, yes, that that needs to be the focus of the campaign. As far as I can tell, that is the focus of the campaign. But she's not going to shy away from the conversation either. She she has the courage to tell you what she thinks if you ask the question. Difficult needle for her to thread. Yep. Um, Dr. McGinley, thank you so much for making time to do this. Appreciate it. Um, I'm uh, supposed to be at the Trump rally on Saturday to cover it. I'm, I'm guessing I'm not going to see you there. I will not be at the rally. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit chaotic up there as well. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to be attending. <laughs> and that's our show. This episode was produced by Kara Tabor and Brooke Hayes. Adam Allington is our senior producer. Jenny Ament is Politico's executive producer of audio. Mike Zappler is Playbook's daily newsletter editor. Special thanks this week to sound engineer Tyler Sanner, who recorded me and Victoria Evis in her newsroom in Casper, Wyoming. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll find out if these camouflage pants are Republican or not. Oh, oh, who's wearing them? A uh, guy playing paintball or Rihanna? You still don't get it. 